Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. Pretty challenging. So, uh, um, but before I start, I've got a change of government, hey? It's uh, a new season. Um, and we don't talk about political stuff in here very often, but uh, I don't know about you, but I was over the last government. They just just made so much mess. And, and uh, so I'm pleased we've got a new thing coming in, and uh, I'm hoping and praying. We should pray for our governments. You know, it doesn't matter if you agree for their politics or not. It's not about that. Actually, pray for our government. We need to do that. So can we do that this morning just before we start? I really feel to do that. So... Uh, so, Father, we thank you for this new day, God, this new uh, authority you've put on this new government today, Lord. And I just pray that, that uh, uh, these guys just lead with great integrity, with, with excellent leadership, with, with accountability and responsibility. And, and, God, we just ask for your blessings upon them, your favor uh, for our country, for our nation, God. And, uh, and, and, Lord, we just pray that they make wise decisions, that they get godly counsel on the way through God and, and uh, put that into play. You know, just don't talk about it. Actually make, do some actions, you know, and uh, make a difference in this world, God, because we need godly leaders, and, uh, and I pray that in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Um, the other thing I want to pray for this morning, um, and it's probably a consequence of, of changes in our economy, is I want to pray for jobs. For, for people, I know there's many people looking for jobs, getting new jobs, um, transfers coming up, all that sort of stuff. And, uh, and uh, you know, I just really feel to pray for that because the word says, asking you shall receive. And so often we don't think to ask. And, uh, and this morning I just want to pray for those because I know there's people in tough, tough situations financially with positions and, and all sorts of things. So, so I just want to pray for that as well and, uh, and sort of a link to the, the government thing, I guess. So, so um, if you're in that position, receive this prayer, okay? Father God, I, I thank you, Lord, that you have got our best interests at heart. God, that you, you're God that uh, blesses us beyond our understanding, that, that your favor is just ridiculous in our lives sometimes and yet God we go through these tough seasons in life you know and and uh, where it doesn't seem like you are evident in, in our circumstances and yet God through your son Jesus you said ask and you shall receive so this morning God we are praying for those people who have not got jobs who are looking for jobs that are knowing there's contractors coming to an end they know there's a new season uh coming ahead, Lord. I just pray that you give them the perfect job for them, God, the absolute right job, God, that can support them personally, support families, uh, you know, to do what they are called to do, God. And God, those jobs are important, but you know what? Our calling in you is much more important. So, Father, I pray that you help us in this season, God. Help us get those right jobs, those right careers, those right contracts uh, to support uh, what you want to do in this place. And I pray that in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Um, in your faces on? I was wondering what you just said then. I was hoping I wasn't rude, but it's... 
was thinking, did he say oh, I got something stuck in my face? Or and I was thinking, got a boogie or something like that? No. Hey, um, last Sunday was Father's Day, and you're nearly in trouble because I nearly decided to uh, uh, preach from my new tablet that I got from the kids for Father's Day, and uh, but uh, but I got a good lesson this week. I um, went yes on a Friday to a, a round table conference thing down in Sydney for senior pastors. I was with a guy called Dr. Sam Chand, and he's a, an amazing guy. He, he consults all over the world with churches and he's got great leadership skills and, and teaching. And uh, so there's about only about 20 senior pastors in this room, and there's, you know, like it's the big churches there, the Hill Songs and, and all those sort of guys. And, uh, and so I got them a new tablet, and I think I'm pretty cool. I'll, I'll take notes on this. So I'm taking notes away, and everything was going good. and couldn't quite work it all out, but it seemed like it was going all right. And then something went wrong, and I couldn't wa- quite work out what was going on. And, you know, so it was real quiet, and, and Dr. Sam Chan's talking. And, and, uh, and somehow I'd highlighted something on my pad. And all of a sudden, this American uh, ladies, nothing against American voices, but this American woman started to dictate my notes. Now... That was probably a, a, an okay thing, I guess, as long as I hadn't written anything rude or anything like in there. But I couldn't stop it. And so there's like only 20, like the big guys in New South Wales, you know, and, uh, and I'm sitting there looking cool with my, my tablet and uh, this woman starts talking and, and, I'm, and at first I didn't even realize it was me. That was a funny thing. I'm looking around thinking, who's doing that? What's going on? And I realized it was me and I go, oh, no, what do you do, you know? <laughs> Looked like I must have panicked, and I just turned it off. <laughs> so, uh, so they're, they're fun things. So I didn't think I'd put you through the torture of me using that this morning. I'll, I'll get a bit more used to it before I um, I actually use it. So, um, yes, uh, humility. I thought I was cool, looking cool, and uh, God says, oh, "Come on, wake up, Greg." <laughs> anyway, we're in this new series called Influence, and uh, it's based on. Our core scripture, Matthew 5, uh, 13 to 16, you know, you are the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world, let your light, light shine before men that you may see your good deeds, they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So that, that's it's sort of saying we have got influence. We are influential as followers and disciples of Jesus. We are influential in our lives. We can make a difference. And uh, and some of the things I just want to recrap, recrap. Did I just say that? <laughs> Recap some of the... I've got some poo stories in my, st- in my message, so I don't know if that's it. Um, some foundational statements for this series. Slow down, Greg. As a follower of Jesus, you are a person of influence and you can make a difference. We choose how we use our influence. And uh, Chris talked about this last week, you know, um, our choices that we do have. Um, true influence is never inactive, never reactive, but always proactive. And they're, they're quite different things. And real positive influence is about having, uh, being a true disciple and devoted follower of Christ. And we've come to understand that Jesus Christ is the most influential person ever to live on this earth, ever. You know, no doubt at all. And, uh, but his influence is quite different to the way the world understands influence, the way we understand influence. And... and and to be a, a true person of influence for Jesus Christ, we have to influence ourselves first to be a true disciple, to be a real follower of Jesus. 
And, and it's generally counterintuitive. I mean, it doesn't make natural sense. It's generally countercultural. That is, it's not a popular thing to do. And yet, when we follow what Jesus tells us to follow, it's amazing the influence we can have in our lives, the difference we can make. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 23, 11, uh, verse 11 and 12, the greatest among you will be your servant. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. You see, he's calling us to be the opposite of the way we think of greatness. We think of greatness with, with terms like, um, you know, uh, climbing the ladder of, of success, you know, uh, striving and, and, and doing all that sort of climbing to the top and, and, and trying to do all those sorts of things. But if you want to be great, the rise to greatness in the culture and the kingdom of God is different. It's, it's around the opposite way. Jesus turns around. He says, if you want to be the greatest, you descend to greatness. He flips it around, and, and it's quite different the way we think about it. And this week, we're going to look at a story in John 13. It's a simple story, and, and it's deceivingly simple. You know, when I first prepared, I thought, I haven't got enough for a whole message here. I, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. And... Um, but it's about when Jesus and his disciples came together and they're having supper together. You know, this is the last supper. These guys are hanging with Jesus. You know, Jesus is talking about he's going to be crucified and he's going to be persecuted and he's, he's going to go away. And, uh, and, and we're going to read about something in a minute. But I want to give it some, a bit more context first. And, and in Luke 22, we have this, an account from Luke of the same last supper. And, uh, and we find out that this is really interesting, I, I reckon. The, the, the disciples are actually having this argument, this discussion. This, the Bible talks, it says it's a dispute. And guess what they're arguing about? Who is to be the greatest? Who is the greatest among us? And so you can sort of imagine these guys. This is the last supper with Jesus. They've had intimate time of communion. They've taken the wine. They've taken the bread. Um, you know, Jesus talking about his suffering and the betrayal He's going to, to, to come to him. And, and, and just remember, they've had three years of this. They've been with Jesus in the miracles. They've been a part of the miracles. They've seen all sorts of healings. Uh, they've heard his amazing stories. They've heard his revolutionary teachings, quite different to what they'd ever seen before. They'd even had it explained to them in detail. Like, it wasn't just the story. Then he'd go, and this is what this means to them. <laughs> and somehow, in their minds, in their conversation, Somehow they drift towards worldly, carnal thinking. And, and they start talking about who is the greatest among us. And, and I don't know about you, but, but I reckon that's our, our carnal man, our soul. wants to always make us look good. And Jesus said, no, there's a different way. There's a different way. And we're going to look at that this morning in the book of John. And it, it sort of demonstrates Jesus' response to this, I think. And I don't think that's exactly the right order. But, but I, the, the title of this message is, A Real Disciple of Jesus Washes Feet. A Real Disciple of Jesus Washes Feet. So let's look at John 13. Uh, we'll start in verse 2. And I think I have got a screen for this. So um, you can probably put that up. 
says this, The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And I really want to hear, try and for you to hear what's going on in the scripture. You see, Jesus knew he was going to die. He knew that was just around the corner. He knew his hour was up. In about two days, he was going to be tortured and crucified. And this was their last supper together with the disciples. Uh, he was hanging out with these guys. He'd sowed his life into these men for three years. You know, these were the influential leaders of the church of the future. And um, get this, Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. It's stunning to me. This guy's been with him for three years. And I don't know if you've ever felt betrayed by someone close to you. But it's devastating. It's absolutely devastating. And, and the last thing you want to do is to be with them or serve them. And here's Jesus. He's just about to wash his feet. He knew Jesus was going to deny him three times. He knew that already. He told Peter that in, in a few scriptures on. He knew that he was the son of God. He knew that he had all the power that God had given him and he, he could do anything. And, and I don't know about you, but if I was Jesus in this situation, I would have reacted quite differently to the way he did. Hey, you guys, don't you know I'm going through a tough time? I'm going to die in a couple of days. Come on, why aren't you serving me? Why, why isn't the focus on me? You know, it's, it's going to be tough, you know. So, so somebody wash my feet or, or, or something like, you know, Judas, I know you're going to betray me, so I'm not going to wash your feet. I'm not going to talk to you, you know. Or Peter, the same with him. You're going to deny me. Why should I hang out with you? And, and, and this is the thing. He knew all this, but he also knew who he was, and he knew he had nothing to prove. He was secure in who he was. He had nothing to prove. So what did he do? He did exactly what he came to do. Jesus served. Jesus served. And, and I don't know if you're getting the full impact of this, but it really affected me and challenged me. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes... I can miss this amazing grace that Jesus has got for us. You know, there's this tension between being the, the salt and the light and extending the grace of Jesus. As a leader in the church, you know, there's this, you want the church to represent the salt and the light to the world, to be an influence in this world. We, you know, let's, let's get our act together. You know, let's look like we've got it all together. And yet... Jesus' grace is almost on the other side of that and says, it's okay, betray me, deny me, I'm going to love you anyway, I'm going to serve you anyway. And I don't know if you get the full impact of this, but it is significant to me. It is absolutely significant that Jesus would wash these guys' feet. And it's really, I don't know, it's just challenged me to go to a new level in grace, a totally new level in grace with people. You see, the church should be a place of safety when people stuff up. But unfortunately what happens because of our humanity, it's often, more often, a place of judgment. And 
To me, that's so sad. It's, it's the opposite of the way Jesus would react. And I don't know. I just don't think it's not displaying the love of Jesus, not displaying the unconditional love of Jesus. You see, it, it's conditional. If you act this way, I'll love you. If you behave this way, I'll love you. If you do these things, I'll love you. And it's not the way Jesus modeled for us. It's nothing like it. And and this amazing grace that he has is just, it's just, it just blows your mind. You just, you just can't understand it completely, you know. And, and I, I just think it's a, an absolute challenge for us as a church. We don't love people because of what they do or what they don't do or what they say or they don't say. We love them because we extend the grace that is sufficient to us. We have stuffed up in our lives and we need to extend that same grace to everyone every day of our lives. You know, if we all had the screen of our lives on this up here today, I guarantee you there'd be some good stuff amongst it. There'd be a lot of cringe stuff. There'd be a lot of cringe stuff. And, and that sufficient, that grace is sufficient to us because of what Jesus has done on the cross. And we don't dare step into judgment. Don't you dare judge anyone else's spiritual walk. Don't you dare judge anything about them. Like, look at your own life. Take the log out of your own eye first. You know, church, we need to be a church of grace. And let's take it to a new level. You know, there's people that are struggling in our church right now. You know, alcoholism, drug addiction, probably pornography. I'm not aware of any just at this stage, but I'm sure there is because I know the stats. And I know there's probably about 25% of the men in this church right now dealing with pornography. And they're feeling guilty. And they don't know what to do about it. Well, the first thing is we can't extend judgment to that. Of course, we don't want you to do it. But what's the value in, in, in extending judgment saying, well, you know, that, that's, that's not appropriate. You shouldn't do that. Of course, that's, that's, they know that. They're already feeling condemned. You know, that, that's what the enemy does. We have to be a church that is open enough and honest enough and authentic enough to deal with this stuff out in the open. Not slide it on the carpet. Not pretend everything's rosy and, and fantastic when it's not. You know, rejoice with those that rejoice, of course. But mourn with those that are mourning. Let's be a church like that. Let's be an authentic church that extends grace in every circumstance. Don't ever step into judgment. Please, please, please. Live in that grace zone that Jesus displays for us so, so well in this scripture. Anyway, let's get back to our scripture. You see, Jesus took off his outer garment. He grabbed a towel. He put it around his waist. And now in the first century Jewish culture, you need to know this, people that dressed like that were slaves and servants. They weren't just the norm people. They were the slaves and the servants. So Jesus putting on this towel in a way that a slave would do. And, and, and you can imagine what the disciples are thinking. This is our Lord, our Savior, our Rabbi, our leader, and he's putting on the towel. What's going on? What's going to happen here? And here's the thing. Jesus is modeling this outward action of an inward truth, I am here to serve. I am here to serve. What about us? What about you? What about me? Why are we here at Baylife Church? Why are we here? What's it all about? Are you here to serve or are you here to be served? 
So there's a vast difference in that. Be honest. You know, are we really here to be part of what God is doing in this place, to reach and positively influence our community and world, to love God, love people, and love life every day of every week, to make a significant difference, or are we here as a spiritual consumer? You see, that sort of thinking says, well, I'll turn up to church every now and then. Every now and then I will, you know. It better be good. Because I'm not coming back if it's not good. If you don't meet my needs, I'm not coming back. I'm going somewhere else. You know, I'll find somewhere where they meet my needs. See, we do the pattern of church. We do the Sunday thing okay. But but don't you mess up with the rest of my week. You know, I don't want my my week to be messy. I don't want to be get too involved. I don't want to be inconvenient. For goodness sake, Greg, I've got a life. I couldn't possibly do anything else. You see, I just think that's spiritual consumerism. I think that's living a lie. That, that's, that's being hypocritical. That's putting on a mask of Christianity and going, well, you know, I'll do church on Sunday every now and then when it suits me, and, and it better be good. Oh, you want me to give money to this? You want me to resource this? You want to commit time to this? <laughs> Get a life, Greg. Come on. You see, we live by the world's patterns in this thing. And we're either Christians and disciples and followers of Jesus or we're not. And there's no middle ground. I'm sorry. It's black or white. And, and yes, we're on a journey, of course. To, I, you know, no one's ever there, by the way. I'm not. You're not. But, but seriously, let's think about this. What are your motivations about coming to church? What is that all about? You know, I read this book a few years ago called Exiles by Michael Frost. And it talked about the difference between an audience and a church. And, uh, and too often we have this audience mentality as a church. And I think I've got a screen for this. If you just stick those up, you might be able to read those. You know, and there's some stuff there that's, that's great. You know, audience is critical. You paid the money and you want a decent show. You know, the audience is unconnected to everyone else, highly individualized. You see, that's an audience mentality. That's a consumer mentality. The, the church is a body of interconnected, interrelated parts. It's a body. It's connected to each other. The foot is connected to the knee and to the heart and to the hands. We're all in, interconnected. We can't live this individual life that, that's a pocket over here and come to church on Sunday and go back to our little our pocket over there. We can't. You know, it's a family of deep, trusting relationships, grace-based relationships. It's a, you know, an audience is expecting, hoping the show will be good. And, uh, gee, there's, there's something in it that really irks, that really irks me. Just see, the show isn't for you. It's for the unchurched. You should come and be a part of this because of, you can see that it, that's our mission, our vision, to reach this community and, and to help that, not, not to be, not be critical and judge it. And, and please, I'm preaching on this not because anyone said anything. I, I got, you got to, often I preach to myself because I can get this same headspace from time to time. I can start thinking that way, you know, and, and, and the best time to talk about this stuff is when there's no issues to deal with. It's not, a, it's not I'm not dealing with anyone's issues, but I'm dealing with my issues, I guess. 
and, and, and it helps us grow up as a church. No relationship with the performers. You see, I don't know who they are up there on stage. I don't know what they're doing, but yeah, she sings all right, and he, he sings all right, he goes all right. You know. I think I could play better than him, but, you know. Um, you know, we're all facing the same direction. There's no interaction. Uh, um, focused on receiving, not giving. Generally passive, easily bored. <laughs> I found myself apologising to some young guys the other week because I, I was a bit passionate and I felt like I got in their face. And I walked away and thought, why am I apologising? I was apologising because I was uncomfortable that they might have got bored in the process. And I went, for goodness sake, Greg, let them grow up. You know, like as a dad, you just want your kids to grow up. You don't want them to stay in first grade for their whole lives. You, you don't want them to get stuck. You want them to, to be stretched and grown. And as, as a church, this is a season we're, we're thriving, we're doing good. There's a season of discipleship. You know, we're, we're in this, this season, we have got influence, but yet let's not get apathetical about that. Let's not, let's sit on our laurels. Let's not get too comfortable in that place. Let's go for the next level of grace. Let's go for the next level of what God wants for us as a church. You know, I'm stunned at what's going on in this place. Mainly music is, was amazing the other Saturday morning. We did a Father's Day breakfast, and I know they do that every week. It's just I only come up for coffee. I don't really check out what else they're doing, you know. And, uh, um, you know, the youth is doing great. They're doing fantastic things here. Chris and the team is so creative on all that stuff. You know, there was a there was a, some sort of beach party in the backyard on, on Friday night, and I came in on Saturday because it could be a day's work to get this right again. And... Uh, but it was all cleaned up. It was, it was amazing. You know, they had a, a four-ton of sand out there somewhere. They had a big tarp with water on it that made some sort of wave that they went across. I don't even know. I, I don't know how it works. But uh, um, skateboards? Yeah, okay. Well, anyway, they had a great time. You know, um, but, but think about what is the church? What is it to you? Is it really, you know, are you interconnected, interrelated part of it? Everyone's gifted and expected to contribute. You know? Compassionate, caring, loving, generous, hospitable, servant-hearted, focused on giving, high priority on unity, a royal priesthood, everyone enjoying access to God. You know, I was so impressed with someone the other week. They came to me and said, look, there was some conflict and I didn't want to deal with it, but I actually ended up going to that person. I dealt with it. And I went, that's the way we're meant to do church. We're not meant to sweep it on the carpet and forget about it and let that, that little seed of, of uh, discontent grow and, and turn to something bitter and a big bitter root. We're supposed to deal with stuff on the way through. You know, please, church, do, do the biblical thing. Go and see that person. Talk to them. Work it out. Take someone with you if you need to. You know, work it out between you. Get, get it out in the open, in the air, in the light. Anyway, I'm going to ask you the same question again. Are you here to serve or to be served? Big difference. Big difference. Let's keep reading our our scripture. Verse 5. After that, he poured water into, and and check this out, he poured water into a basin. Now, remember that word basin, because we're going to come back to that in a second. He poured water into the basin, began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. 
And, and you've got to understand the context of this a little. In the, in the first century uh, Palestine, um, they didn't have tarred roads. So we think of roads as tar and, and nicely formed and, and grass on the sides and, and pavement and cement and, and all that sort of thing. They had none of this. This was, this was dirt and if it rained, it was mud. And the thing they had on their feet was just something underneath their feet like material or, or maybe a bit of leather if they were lucky and, and a leather straps to hold it on. So when they walked up the road, everything that was on the road went on their feet. And often they, they walked with animals or they had animals on the road and the animals didn't think to go the side of the road to poo. They actually did it right in the middle of the road. So when you traveled, you would end up with all this stuff on your feet. And, uh, and so to wash those feet wasn't a very pleasant task you know it wasn't very pleasant and um and the people that would wash the feet was interesting because to wash feet was to show honor and respect for that person and and the task wouldn't be given to the owner of the house or the family of the owner or to a rabbi or a teacher or to the students or of a rabbi or any any of those people even a, a slave a servant of jewish descent wasn't asked to wash feet. It was someone who was a Gentile service, servant, a servant from overseas, someone that was the lowest of the low. They were the people that would wash their feet. And here's Jesus taking off his outer clothing, clothing, grabbing a towel, pouring water into a basin, kneeling down at the disciples' feet. Get this picture. You can imagine the tension in the room with the disciples. Who is going to do this task? What, what's he doing? He's the son of God, the Lord, their rabbi, their leader, their savior, kneeling down to wash their feet. And, and you can imagine the, the struggle that Peter went through as, as Jesus came to him. He came to kneel and, and start to wash Peter. He said, what are you doing? You're not going to wash my feet. And, and, <laughs> and Peter, like, like Peter does, reacts badly and uh, uh, He's thinking, what, are you really going to do this? Are you really going to wash my feet? No, you're not. Never. Never. You'll never wash my feet. And then, of course, being Peter, does the opposite. Well, wash my whole body then, you know, and do the, the whole lot. And you go, Peter, come on. Um, but, but I just think this is significant. And, and this isn't a task that any disciples thought to do for each other. It wasn't something that crossed Peter's mind because I'm sure if Peter really thought about it and Jesus wanted him to wash his feet or thought he knew that Jesus wanted him to wash his feet, Peter would have done that for sure. It wasn't anything that even crossed their mind. And I remember at Bible College, we, um, we did this at a chapel one morning and basically one of the students shared on, um, on Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And we actually went through the process of, of doing that. And uh, it was an amazingly intimate thing. You know, the guys did the guys and the girls did the girls, of course. There was something just really humbling and intimate about that. You know, I, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but somebody washing your feet that you don't really know, you know, and, and with all the junk that's over it. And, and I think it relates to our lives, the way that stuff sticks to us in our journey of life, where the stuff sometimes just sticks. And, and this was the analogy, analogy for me was, it was like I got washed clean again. I was a Christian. I was going to Bible college. I was striving. I was straining. I was doing everything I knew how to do. 
And yet when I sat and washed my, that, that person washed my feet in that bowl with the warm water, there was something comforting, there was something intimate, there was something humbling, and there was a, a refreshing that came spiritually because of that one little act. Now, you know, I actually did think about how we could do that as a church here this morning. I was trying to logistically think, could we have enough bowls? Could we have hot water? Could we have enough towels? How we do it? What, what would that happen? But, but I realized it's not about the practice. It's about the principle. It's not about the doing of the washing of feet. You know, when, that's okay. And it was fine for that, that chapel. But it, it's actually about the principle of that and, and how we apply that to our lives. How is God asking you to serve others? Not what other people think. But what is God calling you to do personally? How can we be sure that we have the same heart as Jesus that night he washed the feet of the disciples? And there's three questions I'm going to ask you here this morning. Just three questions, three, three pretty simple questions. But I think they help us keep that servant-hearted attitude and, and, just, and sort of discover what that's about. The first question is this. What is your motivation? What is your motivation? You see, some of the things that weren't part of Jesus' motivation with this were pride, self-righteous attitude. He wasn't like the Pharisees. He'd say, hey, everyone, look what I'm doing. I'm washing everyone's feet here, you know, and aren't I good? You know, I'm so servant-hearted. He wasn't saying that. The thing that motivated Jesus was love and compassion. He loved these guys more than anything. He loved the world. He was, he was compassionate towards the world. You know, and, and, and it tells us that earlier in the part of, of John 13. He loved people. He had compassion on people. And remember the leper we talked about a few weeks ago? You know, he had compassion on these people. And it, it operated from the inside out. It wasn't an act to make everyone, everyone think he looked good. It was actually a response to his servant heart. And it came from the inside out. What's your motivation? What really is your motivation? Do you see things the way that Christ sees things? Or do you just see the duty or the task or the job? You know, is it a way to look good or look righteous? Or, or is it to impress somebody? What's your motivation? The second question is this. What's the need in front of you? What is the need in front of you? Not what are you planning to do next week or next month or next year. Not that mission trip. Not that, oh, well, I signed up to volunteer for that, so I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm right. I'm, I'm serving, Greg. No, no, that's all good. That's fantastic. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. But, but here's the thing. Jesus had big things coming ahead. In, in the next couple of days, Jesus is going to suffer a death on the cross, to be crucified. And to me, that means the greatest act of service and humility that has ever been seen in this world. And yet, knowing that, he still met the need that was in front of him. He still put the towel on. He still kneeled before the disciples' feet, doing the most simple, low task, and doing it because he loved them. What's the need in front of you right now? You know, what, what is it? You know, maybe if you, it's someone or something you've seen. Maybe you, you've identified someone in your life that, that you know has got a need, but you've, you've just been trying to ignore it because you know it's going to get messy, you know, you know it's going to be inconvenient, you know it's going to interfere with your TV schedule or, or you know, like we, we think so carnally sometimes. My goodness. 
You know, maybe it, it, it's just a phone call. Maybe it, it, it's, it's money. Maybe it's, it's time. Maybe it's going to take all those things from you. Maybe it, it's something you've seen. Maybe it's even in church you've seen something that, that's not painted or not fixed and you go, I wish someone would fix that. That is so ugly. Do something about it, you know? What's the need in front of you? Maybe it's someone that you, you your next door neighbor. Maybe it's someone that's broken down the side of the road. Maybe it, it, it's, it's someone that you just know you have to call, but you've been putting it off. What's the need in front of you? There's lots of needs in the world, by the way. There's lots of good things to do. But what's the God thing that he's asking you to do? What's that need that's obvious in front of you right now? What is it? Name it and do it. Third question. What do you have to give? What do you have to give? You know, think about Peter. He went through this whole the upper room and the foot washing and, and then later we find him preaching that Jesus has risen from the dead and he's a Messiah and he's, you know, he heads up the, the church that, and basically he, he's doing a great job and, and he's walking in Jerusalem. He's going to, to pray for an hour in the temple and he sees this <clears throat> crippled beggar on the side of the road and the beggar asks him for some money and uh, you know, he hasn't walked since he was born. And, and Peter just looks at him and says in, in Acts verse three, uh, sorry, chapter three, verse six, "Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk." Did you catch that? What I have, I give to you. What I have, I give to you. What do you have to give? What do you have to give? Is it time? Is it an ear to listen to someone? Is, is it just? Just sitting down with someone having a coffee, you know. Is there something you know you need to do? Is it resources you've got that you know other people need? Is, is it some money? Is, is it a spare room you've got for somebody? It, you know, when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, you've got to realize this wasn't a task he was trained to do. Like there was no foot washing school that he went to to do this. You know, it wasn't a skill he was given by God. It wasn't a gifting that he had for washing feet and getting the dirt out of the you know, the corners of your toenail or something like that. It wasn't any of that. He wasn't gifted in foot washing. He saw the need and he responded. Church, there is needs in all our lives. There's, there's needs in other people's lives. But I'm telling you, while we stay focused on our own needs, there's so many needs around us that, that need much more than what we, we do. And, and I, what I find is when we focus on other people's needs, our needs get smaller. It's like the, it's a God principle, I think. And, and somehow they get fulfilled. I just think there's an opportunity here to think about what our motivation is, what's the need right in front of us, and what do you have to give? You know, when we have love and compassion for people the way Jesus did, when we really get that peace and that sense of being in the right place at the right time, you, you can just answer that question and you can answer that, that need that's in front of you Without, yeah, without that holding back, just go, God, I know this is what you want me to do, and I'm going to do it. See, there's a great example. I talked about the basin before. There's another basin mentioned in the Gospels, not very many verses after this. And it was um, basically the, the basin that Pontius Pilate had. And, and remember, Jesus was standing before the crowd. They wanted to crucify him. And, and basically uh, uh, screaming, crucify him, crucify him, you know, kill him, you know. 
and, and Pontius Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. But instead of doing something, he does nothing. And he takes that same basin of water. And get this, he dips his hands in and says, I'm going to have nothing to do with this. I'll wash my hands of this. Now right in front of each one of us is a basin of water. You have a choice. Simple choice. I'm going to wash my hands of this. I'm going to have nothing to do with it. That's inconvenient, Greg. I haven't got time in my life. You don't know how busy I am. You don't know how responsibilities I've got. You, you don't know what, what's in my life. I'm going to wash my hands of this and have nothing to do with it. That's fine. Or, or you can take that basin of water. You can take the, the, the servant-hearted leadership of Jesus. We can kneel before those that are in need and wash feet. It's a choice, a simple choice. We can serve just like Jesus did. We can have the influence that Jesus tells us we can have. We can be the salt to this earth. We can be the light of this world. And for most of us, serving, doing that thing that's just in front of us, we know we should do. It'll probably cost us something. It'll probably be inconvenient. It probably won't be, make sense. But please, lay your, your carnal man down in this. Just follow what Jesus would do. What is the thing Jesus would do? You see, he demonstrates for us here, right here. It's not inactive. It's not reactive. It's proactive. It's a choice. What are you going to choose? Are you going to make a difference in this world? Are you going to be a positive influence in this world? Are you going to make a difference, you know? Are you going to be a real disciple and follow Jesus? How are you going to respond to that need? You know, in John 13... Uh, verses 14 to 17, it finishes this passage with this. And this is Jesus talking. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. <laughs> now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And Mark 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, it's a pretty heavy-duty message, that. So I want to give it a bit of balance here just for a second. We have got amazingly servant-hearted people in this church. You know, I, I, I'm stunned at the level of commitment people have to giving, to serving, to being a part of this, the body of Christ, to, to, to each other, to the lengths they'll go for people. It, it's just stunning. It is absolutely stunning. But you know what? We all need to do that. We all need to go that next level in grace, that next level in serving. Whatever that is. See, it's all, it's unique for each one of you. I can't tell you what that is for you. You have to examine that for yourself. And, and there's just some, some habits, and I didn't think I'd have time, but I will have time just to quickly look at this. There's some habits, and I'm going to quickly rip through these um, to finish on time. Just five habits that I, I've been reading about uh, by a book by um, Ken Blanchard. 
And it's talking about leading like Jesus, being a servant-hearted leader. He talks about the heart, the hands, the head. And there's five habits he talks about that might help you get more servant-hearted. The first one's solitude. Church, you have to get some space by yourself at some time. You have to get some space where it's just you and God. Just solitude, silence, where you dwell on the Word of God, where you just, just be with God. You know, in, in our lifestyles, it's so difficult to do that. But Jesus would often re- withdraw to place of solitude. Before all the big miracles, you check them out. He's, he's done the solitude thing. He just withdraws before and after usually. Second one's prayer. When we get alone, we have to pray. And I know that's difficult for many of us, you know. Um, in Matthew 6, Jesus continues his teaching. and There's three things he tells his disciples uh, they should be doing. When you give, when you pray, and when you fast. And, and, and I know my greatest level of praying comes when I fast. You know, and, and it is stunning the, the breakthroughs you can get spiritually when you fast. When you pray and when you fast. And, you know, that there's some, an acronym there of, of uh, I think it's the Lord's Prayer acronym because it goes on to talk about when you pray and it gives the Lord's Prayer. And, and the, the ACTS acronym is, is a great one. The adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. That's basically what the Lord's Prayer tells us to do. And often, it's, often we can quote the Lord's Prayer. We still don't know how to pray. Well, I break my prayer down in those four components. And I write it down, I journal it because it gets me intentional. It gets me focused on what I'm writing. It doesn't let my mind think about something else. I go, adoration, I love you, God. You're an amazing God. Thank you for your blessing, your favor, blah, blah, blah. Confession, I'm sorry for the way I thought, the thing I said, the, the action, the, the thing I didn't do. And get right with God. Thank him for all the wonderful things he's done in your life. Father, I thank you for all the, because we can get so focused on the negative Thank you for all the wonderful things you've done in my life, God. I, I thank you so much every day for I can breath, I can breathe. You know, I can open my eyes and when I wake up and I can breathe and I'm alive and live in this fantastic place where there's no persecution when we worship you and, and, and supplication. That's once we got put, put it through the sieve, we get to supplication. Then we can ask with a pure heart. And then we wait. Then we wait. Then we shut up. We just let God speak to us. See, prayer is so important. Third one, study and application of the Scripture, you know. And this is a habit. It's a habit. And, uh, and I thought about it for myself. Before, 10 years ago, I tried to read the Bible on a regular basis. I, I know I had to read it through for, for Bible college. But I couldn't tell you I've read the Bible X amount of times. I wouldn't know that. I, I, I bought a one-year Bible um, 10 years ago. 2003 it was. And I know I've read the Bible through 10 times over these last 10 years. It's a discipline. It's a habit. It's something that I do every morning. I get down and I read a bit of Old Testament, New Testament, a psalm, a proverb. And I know over the years that is there's residue in me because of that. Now, of course, there's some mornings I read that stuff and it goes blah, 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 and I've got a clue what I've just read. You know, it gets like that sometimes particularly in Leviticus and Numbers and some of those passages, and you, you just sort of, you, your mind does wander off. But, but we have to get some habits in our lives that will help us be servant-hearted in the way we deal with it. Trusting God's unconditional love. You know, God works all things the good of those that love him. And, and, and even Jesus asked the question three times. 
you sure this is your will, God? Father, you sure? You sure this is the right thing? Yeah, but your will be done, not mine. Trusting in God's unconditional love. And involvement in supportive relationships, you know? Are you part of a, a, an accountability group? Are you part of a small group? Are you ca- part of a life group? Are you part of connectedness, you know? Are you just the audience or are you the church? Are you interconnected and interrelated, you know? And... and, and we just need to meet with people that are like-minded, that can challenge us, that can, can lift our eyes, that can say, hey, what's going on with your life? What are you doing about that? You shouldn't be doing that. Come on, Greg, lift, lift your game, you know? And, and we, we need that in our lives. We all do, every single one of us. You know, get part of a life group where you can be part, like the disciples there. You know, the 12 of them, they, they hung out together. And, yeah, a few of them stuffed up big time, but, you know, they, they hung out. But they were the way, the model that Jesus has given us. I'm going to read this story and it might seem a little unrelated to finish this morning. And some of you would have heard this story because it's one of my favourite stories that I've got in my arsenal. It's about a young and successful executive who's travelling down a neighbourhood street. He's going a bit, bit too fast in his brand new BMW. I think it was probably an X5. That's what I see in my mind. You know, those new ones, and they're pretty cool looking. You see them on the road, and go, whoa, look at that car. And uh, he was watching the kids darting between the parked cars and slow down when he thought he saw something. And as he car passed, no children appeared. So he thought, oh, it's okay. But all of a sudden, a brick smashed in his backside door. He slammed on the brakes and backed the, the BMW back to the spot where the brick had been thrown. And the angry driver jumped out of the car, grabbed the nearest kid and pushed him up against a parked car shouting, what was that all about? Who are you? What, what are you doing? Do, what the, this is my brand new car. You know, you're throwing a brick and, and it'll cost lots of money. What are you going to do about it? And the young boy just looked up apologetically and, and sort of said, well, please, mister, I, I'm sorry, but I didn't know what else to do. Um, I threw a brick because no one else would stop. With tears dripping down his face and off his chin, the young boy pointed to his brother who was just behind the parked car. As my brother, he said, he he rolled off the curb and fell out of his wheelchair and I can't lift him back in. Now sobbing, the boy asked the stunned executive, would you please help me? Please help me get him back in the wheelchair. He's hurt and he's too heavy for me. Moved beyond words, the, the driver tried to swallow the rapidly swelling lump in his throat. He hurriedly lifted the handicapped boy back into the wheelchair and took out a linen handkerchief and dabbed it on the fresh cuts and scrapes. A quick look told him everything was going to be okay. Thank you and may God bless you, the young boy said as he, he started to push his brother towards their home. In the long, slow walk back to his car, the damage was pretty noticeable on the brand new BMW. But the driver never bothered to repair the dented side door. He kept that dent there to remind him of this message. Don't go through life so fast that someone has to throw a brick at you to get your attention. God whispers to our souls and speaks to our hearts. He wants to know what our motivation is. He wants to know that. He wants to know that those things. He wants to know that you recognize that need in front of you. He wants us to understand what we have to give We've got amazing blessing in our lives and we get so protective and so bound up. Come on, let's be the church of Jesus Christ.
in this place. Let's be the disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. Let's serve as Jesus served. Okay, let's pray. As the band comes, let's pray. Come on, let's stand to our feet. I know you've been sitting for a while now. Father, we we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the richness, the challenge, the diversity of your word, Lord, that, that just challenges us day in and day out, God, to be more like you in our walk, to be disciples, to be true disciples, to be real followers of Jesus Christ, God. And and I know we can get complacent, we can get apathetic, we can yield to the world so often. But God, this morning, I pray something is standing up on the inside of each one of us, God, as we understand that we may have to kneel to be your servant. But on the inside, there is steel. There is just a resolute spirit that says, God, Jesus, I want to serve like you served. I want to be like you were on this earth. To be servant-hearted. To encourage that attitude and that culture in my family, in my friends, in my work groups, in my sporting groups. I might look dumb. I might look silly. But I don't care. I want to serve people like you serve people, Jesus. Let me go beyond the comfortable. Let me go beyond the normal. Let me go beyond the natural, God. Let me step into that supernatural realm that you have got for each and every one of us, for your church, for Bay Life Church. God, to reach and positively influence our community and our world, to love God and love people and love life. Have a great time doing it. To be the church of Jesus Christ. Help us be that church, God. Help us be that church. And Father, here this morning, you know, I don't know everyone's background. I don't know where you've come from, what you've been through. But this morning, I just want to give you an opportunity for you to respond to the, to the word, to the gospel, you know, and, uh, and maybe to ask Jesus into your heart. And if you, you might even know what that means. You go, well, I don't even understand it. Well, you'll know in your heart. That's all I can say to you is you'll know something's going on on the inside. You'll know you, your heart is probably racing right now and you're going, heck, I think he's talking to me. I think he's talking to me. While every head's bowed and eyes closed. If that's you this morning, if you know, you want to know more about this God, you, you want to step into the realm of what God has got for you, that it'll change your life for eternity. I want to give you that opportunity and it's going to be simple while everyone's heads bowed and eyes closed. I just want you to put up your hand and I'll recognize it and I'll pray with you at the end of the service. If that's you this morning, here's an opportunity to get right with God. Fantastic. Here's an opportunity to get right with God. Just stick your hand up and I'll I'll respond. Anyone else here this morning? Anyone else? Here's an opportunity. Fantastic. Father, we um, we just declare our love for you afresh this morning. We declare our love for Jesus Christ and and we don't understand it all. But Father, through your Holy Spirit, I pray for your empowering for each one of us this week. 
for a, a greater understanding of what you've called us to, Lord, to a greater dimension of our Christianity, of our discipleship, of our followership, God, to be what you want us to be in this world, God, to be the light, to be the salt, God. If we feel like we lost our saltiness, God, I pray somehow we get it back. We get refreshed and revived and revitalized and replenished for the kingdom of God to make a difference in this place, to make a difference in this place. pray that all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a great big clap this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylife Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.